Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the SMC 2022 podcast. Welcome to this podcast on explosive growth. My name's Thomas Ganadin. A little bit about myself. I'm on staff with Stumo at Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri. It's me, my wife, and our one son, which is our dog, Leonard, named after my favorite basketball player, Kawhi Leonard. We love it up in Springfield, Missouri. We went to school at Missouri State University, and now we get to work with Stumo at Missouri State. My sophomore year of college, me and my buddy were living in the Fiji fraternity house at Missouri State, and we decided that we wanted to do something adventurous. And so me and him... We grabbed some of our friends that lived at the 80 Pie House, which is right next to us. And the four of us, we hopped in the car and we headed down to Branson, Missouri. I don't know if you know that much about Branson, Missouri. If you don't, you're missing out. I like to call it the Las Vegas of the Midwest. And although that's not even really close to being true, Branson is awesome. And so we headed down there. We were just looking for just, we wanted to just get in trouble or something like that. And we got down there. It was an evening on like a random Wednesday and... We saw off in the distance what we pretty much very quickly knew was an abandoned amusement park. And right then we knew, hey, this, we know what we're going to do. And so we go and we park the car. We sneak up behind this tree line right up to this, next to this tall fence to get into the abandoned amusement park in Branson. And we do it. I help one girl over the fence. It's, it's a tall fence, probably 10 to 12 feet uh, with barbed wire at the top. I help one girl over the fence. I help the next girl get over the fence. Help my buddy get over the fence, and then it's my turn. And I climb up the fence, and I kind of position my hands around the barbed wire, you know, because I don't want to get cut up. I swing one leg over. I swing the other leg over, kind of hit the ground, and boom, we were in. We were at this abandoned amusement park. And, guys, it was awesome. It was awesome. We got to explore the old concession stands and the old Ferris wheel. And the coolest thing we did was we climbed this really tall old wooden roller coaster, just kind of like a ladder up the tracks. And we got all the way to the top and we could see all the way throughout the city of Branson, all the lights, we see the stars. I mean, it was awesome. We look off in the distance and we see what looks like a pair of headlights coming our direction. And right after that, another pair of headlights. And right after that, another pair of headlights. So we don't freak out, but we're like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to get down and leave. And so we kind of climb down like we got up. And as we're getting close to the bottom, these headlights are getting closer and closer. And we get to the bottom and we kind of start walking pretty fast towards where we came in. And these headlights are getting closer and closer. And so we take off on a dead sprint towards where we came in and we get to this fence and these headlights are getting really close. And so same drill help the first girl over. I help the second girl over. I help my buddy over. And then I'm climbing the fence really fast, position my hands on the barbed wire, swing one leg over. And as I'm straddling the fence, something really bad happened. Something really bad happened. I was climbing it too fast. And as I was holding onto the fence and straddling it, my hands slipped. My hands just slipped and I fell face first just straight on top of this barbed wire fence. And my buddy and these girls, they're running off and I have to yell to him, dude, come help me. And all I can think is, man, I am stuck. I'm stuck on this fence. My skin, my hands, my clothes are stuck to this barbed wire. And these, what I would think are police officers are getting closer and closer and I'm going to get arrested. 
I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to have to call my mom from jail and she's going to come bail me out. Luckily, my buddy came running back and he was the hero. He climbed the fence and with one hand holding onto the fence, left hand holding onto the fence, right hand grabs me, rips me off the barbed wire. We both hit the ground. We get up and we get away free. But I'll never forget that moment when I was just stuck on that fence and there was nothing I could do to get away. Being stuck is not fun. And this is how growth can be sometimes. We can just feel stuck. We can feel like we are paralyzed and we can't move for whatever reason. And specifically with growth, we can really have great intentions to grow. We can really want it. We can really want to grow, but we're just not seeing any progress. So we're stuck. Think about this question for a second. What are some reasons someone would be stuck when it comes to growth? So what are some reasons someone would be stuck, whether it be growth in um, intellectually, growth when it comes to working out or something like that? What are some reasons someone would be stuck when it comes to growth? can be the exact same thing with spiritual growth, okay? We can really want to experience real growth with God, but for some reason, whatever it is, it just isn't happening. And so so today, uh, I want to help. I want to help, and I'm going to give you four steps to real explosive growth. But before we dive into some of these practicals and these how-tos, there are a couple things we have to first consider, okay? There's Really, there's two fundamental things that we have to make sure we have right before we can get into these practicals. The very first fundamental thing you have to consider is this. Do you have a real relationship with God yet? Do you have a real relationship with God? Here's the deal. God created everything. He created Adam and Eve way back when, and they did not sin until... Uh, they ate they ate of the apple and they turned away from God. And from that point on, every person in humanity has been born into this sin. We all are sinful and separated from God. And God, he's holy. He has never sinned before. And so we can't go to heaven and be in his presence because he is holy without sin and we have sin. So what God did is he sent Jesus, his one son, his only son to earth, To live a life like he was a physical person just like we are, but he was also God. And because he was also God, he was able to live a perfect life, a life without sin, a holy life. And when he died on the cross, he took on our sins. And he died on the cross and he rose again. And because he did that for us, if we accept him, if we believe in him, we get to go to heaven and we get to be with God forever. And we get to start that relationship with God because of what Jesus did for us. And if you're sitting there and you really feel like you're not experiencing growth, you first have to examine and really evaluate yourself in this. Do I have a relationship with God? Have I submitted and surrendered my life to him? Sometimes we can trick ourselves by thinking something like, well, I'm a good person or I've been to church a lot, but maybe we just truly have never accepted Christ and started that relationship with him. This has to be the starting point of growth. Okay. If this isn't true of your life, and you're trying to grow in your faith, that'll be like running on a treadmill. Because to grow in your faith, you first must have that faith. So if you're sitting there and you haven't yet made that decision, that is okay. But I would hope that that would be a main takeout 
from this podcast is that if you want to experience this growth and you want to experience all that God has for you, this has to be the starting point. Do you have a real relationship with God? So as we launch into the four steps for growth, we'll go into it with the assumption that this is true of your life. So if the answer to that first question is yes, then the second thing we have to consider is this. Are you being obedient to God? Are you obeying God? John 14, 21 says this, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Whoever has God's commandments and keeps them, that's who loves him. So this is key. We love God by being obedient to God. We love God by obeying God. Because when we disobey God or go against him in his ways, this will greatly hinder our growth. And the reality is, we don't get to make and decide the rules in life. We just don't. If we have started following Christ and we believe that God is the creator of all things and he knows what's best for us, then we must believe and trust that if we obey him, that his commands are the best thing for us. But sometimes we think we know what's best. And we'll say something like, well, I'm following God, but I'll follow him in all these areas. But I think that this one sin is still okay for me to do. Like, he's a little, God's a little bit outdated when it comes to this area. So I'm going to keep doing that. In other words, we're saying we know what's better for us than God does. And that's just not how it works. We have to obey God and what he says in the Bible. First John 5 talks about how his commandments are not burdensome. And so the things he tells us to do, his commandments, they're not, they're not a burden to us. They're actually what's best for us, whether we believe it or not. So honestly evaluate, are you being obedient to God and his word? If you're not fully doing this, your growth will be greatly hindered. Before we get into these four steps to explosive growth, we have to understand this. If we aren't growing, we have to honestly evaluate. First, do I have a real relationship with God? And secondly, am I being obedient to him? Seven years, seven years ago, back in 2015, I was a freshman Fiji at Missouri State. And on January 3rd, 2015, seven years ago, I was at SMC. I was at my first SMC and I was not yet following Jesus, but I was curious. I was curious about faith. Uh, I just, I just wasn't quite there yet. So shortly after that first SMC, a few weeks after, I actually did decide, decide to make that decision to place my trust in Jesus and start following him. And this was a big decision. It was a big decision. But for me, I'd experienced a lot of what the world had to offer, and it just was not satisfying me. And I knew that God could eternally satisfy me. And I knew that he could give me a true purpose. And so I started following God this early on in that spring semester, my freshman year, and I have not looked back since. So the rest of that spring semester of my freshman year was a bit of a whirlwind, honestly. But I would say this, that summer, summer of 2015 through summer of 20, 2016, so that 12 to 14 month stretch right there, that was the most I'd ever grown in my entire life. And that is the most in a year long stretch that I have grown in my entire life. I've continued to grow. I've continued to grow since then. But that year, for whatever reason, I experienced the most growth I ever have. During that year long stretch, I started to learn how to have a relationship with God. I learned how to read my Bible. I learned how to pray and started all these disciplines that I still carry with me today. I had someone investing in me and leading me and helping me grow. I made friends that truly cared about me. I, I had friends. I made friends that I could trust with anything and friends that are still my best friends today. 
I discovered a purpose for my life from God to help other people know him. I started fighting sexual purity for the first time in my life in that year. That year was absolutely transformative. And it shaped me and it prepared me for the rest of my life. And I've talked to many people who I look up to in regards to their spiritual life and their faith and their walk with God. And every single one of them said the same thing. That sometime in their college years, they had a year. They had a year where they started this growth journey and experienced growth that changed their life. And the thing is, I know it's kind of cliche, but this can be your year. 2022, this can be your year. This can be the year that you look back on and say, that was the most I've ever grown in my life. This year can be the year you look back on 20 years from now and be so thankful for this year because it set you up for success spiritually for the rest of your life. Today, I want you to know that this can be your year and that you can experience real explosive growth in 2022 if you follow these four steps. Four steps to explosive growth. The first step to explosive growth is this. Make the hard choice. Make the hard choice. I had a friend when I was a senior in college that had to make a hard choice. I was living with him uh, off campus. Me and him had lived in our fraternity house the past two years, so our senior year. We decided to get a house really close to campus. It was me, one of him, and then two of our good buddies that were in our fraternity. And so it was the four of us. I remember one night we were sitting around our house. We were playing Fortnite, talking, watching TV, whatever. And my buddy, so a little backstory, he had to pay for almost everything in college. So he had to pay his way. He had to pay for his rent, his food, stuff like that. His parents weren't able to financially help him in that way. And so he had to he had to do all that. And so naturally, he just didn't have a lot of money all the time. And we were just talking and he, that buddy, he looked at the three of us one night as we were just sitting there and he says, guys, there's seven days left in the month. There's one week left in the month and I have $10 left to my name. $10. He had $10 left to his name to survive seven days. So naturally, we kind of start joking with him, giving him a hard time. What's he going to do? Eat McChickens, you know, to survive the next seven days. What are we going to do? And one of my other buddies, he looks at the three of us and very seriously, he says, guys, I know what we're going to do. We're going to the casino. We're going to the casino. And it got kind of quiet in the room. And I was kind of like in my head, I was like, okay, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. And my $10 buddy, he looks at us and there's kind of silence. And he says, guys, Let's do it. We're going to the casino. And we got super hype and we hopped in the car and we headed to the casino. Side note, I'm not condoning going to the casino or, or doing this. Uh, but, but we did it. We went to the casino and my buddy, he walks in there with his $10 bill and he slaps it down on the blackjack table. And long story short, he left that night with $100. He turned his $10 into $100. It was awesome. He was living large for the rest of the month. He was going to ball out. But my buddy, he had a hard choice to make. When, when, when the other guy said, let's go to the casino, he had to decide, man, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay back? Am I going to go and not take money? Am I going to go and take my last $10? He had a hard choice to make. And life is full of hard choices. Okay, that's just reality. It's full of hard choices. It's full of this or that. Where should I go to college? Here or here? What should I do for a living? What should my major be? Who should I date? Who should I marry? How many kids do I want? Should I follow God or not? That's a tough decision. Should I go to SMC or not? For some of you, that was a tough decision. You might have said yes. You might have said no. 
Will I join this organization or will I join this different one? These are all extremely hard decisions and life is full of them. When you start to follow Jesus and when you're trying to grow in your faith, there are choices you will make that can either expedite your growth or greatly hinder it. There are choices that you'll be faced with that you have to make a decision on. Scripture is full of moments where people had to make a decision that would either set the trajectory of their growth up or down. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18, 19, and 20 say this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, so this is Jesus, he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. There's a lot going on in these three verses here, okay? I would encourage you play it back, listen to those. Again, the scripture has some huge implications here. And basically, Peter and Andrew, they're these, these two brothers, and they were fishermen. That was their livelihood. Okay, they fished. That's how they made money. That's how they survived. That's how they provided for their family. And Jesus walks up and asks, he asks them to leave that all behind and come and follow him. What a decision here. Were they going to do it or were they not? And, you know, we could ask the question, could they have not drop their nets and just continue to be fishermen and had a relationship with Jesus? I guess the answer is maybe, but we don't know. We don't know the answer to that in the scripture. But what we do know is that Peter, he decided to leave that net. It says immediately they left their nets and followed him. And Peter left that net and followed him. And he became one of the most influential Christian leaders ever. So talk about a decision he made that expedited his growth. For all of us, when we start to follow Jesus or when we really start to grow— we're faced with one, if not multiple, of these crossroads. Should I do this or should I not? These hard decisions. I'll give you guys a few examples. The first one is about relationships. For some, our decision will be about a significant other. Maybe, I, maybe I'm dating this guy or this girl and it's just not healthy for me. Maybe it's a sexually impure relationship or a manipulative relationship or something like that. Maybe that person is not supportive of me following Christ. And the hard decision you might have to make is to break up. Or the hard decision you might have to make is to make some big changes in that relationship. Another uh, could be friendships. For some, our decision might revolve around a friend. Maybe there's a friendship that's just pulling you down. This person, they don't care about God. They don't even really care about you if you really thought about it. The hard decision you might have to make is to cut off that friendship and find some new people that will push you in your faith. For some, the decision will be about discipline. Discipline. Maybe you love staying up super late and sleeping in super late and playing video games and not really doing much. The hard decision you might have to make is, man, I'm just not going to be lazy anymore. I'm going to wake up early to read my Bible every day. That would be a hard decision to make. For some, our decision will be about letting someone into our life. Maybe you have all these secrets or all these things from your past that you've never told anyone. And the hard decision you need to make is telling someone. For some, our decision will be to forgive someone. Maybe you, you were really hurt by somebody in your past, a friend, a family member. Maybe the hard decision you need to make is to forgive that person. It's hard to forgive someone. I totally acknowledge that. And everyone's situation is different. But what I do know is keeping that bitterness in your heart will stunt your growth. It could be your decision could be about drinking or partying. Should I keep doing this or should I stop? It could be something else, but you understand what I'm saying. When we make a hard decision, it might not be easy at first. And honestly, it will probably not be easy at all at first. But when we make that hard decision, that's when we really start to see our growth take off. 
But when we decide against the hard decision, we decide, oh, I'll just take the easy, the comfortable route. That's when our growth is hindered. What's the hard decision that you need to make? I remember for me, a big decision I had to make was about partying. I started following Christ and I wanted to grow. Then I was faced with, the, with But then I was faced with this decision. Should I continue partying or not? I know the hard thing to do would be to stop, right? Because the easy, easy thing to do would be to keep going. I mean, all my fraternity did it. So I could just, I mean, I could easily just keep doing it. But at the same time, I knew that if I was going to keep doing that, doing it, that I would be going against God and that it would cause me to, to distance myself from God and from others. And if I made the decision to stop, although it would be tough and it would be hard, I would be being obedient to God. I would be able to draw closer to God and I would really be able to start growing with him. The first step to explosive growth is to make the hard decision. So I want you to take a moment and just kind of write down, think, discuss, what is a hard decision that you need to make to help you grow? What's a hard decision that you need to make to help you grow? That's the first step to explosive growth is to make the hard choice. The second step to explosive growth is to invite others in. Invite others in. We are naturally very independent people. Would you say that you like to be bossed around or to be told what to do? No, no one likes to be bossed around. No one likes to be told what to do. We want to do things our own way. Even if it's not the right way, I still want to do it my own way, right? How about this? Do you like asking for help? You know, some people might like asking for help, but I feel like generally speaking, man, we don't want help. Like we don't want to need to depend on other people. We have this unhealthy thinking of, man, I don't really need anyone else. I can do all this on my own. But when it comes to growth, the opposite is true. We need people. We need help. We can't do it all on our own. So when it comes to our spiritual growth, there are three types of people we need to invite into our growth. Okay. Three types of people. I want you to think of this phrase, up down, around, up, down, around, up, down, around. Okay. And I'm going to go through each of these, but just remember this phrase up, down, around. So the first person you need to invite in is the up person, the up person. So the up person, this is just somebody who is older, wiser, maybe just further along than you. This is someone who has walked in your shoes and can help you in your journey of growth. Okay. This is someone you can look up to. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. We need to be getting advice and getting instruction that we can listen to and that we can accept. We always have room to grow and things to learn. There will never be a point in our life where it's like we arrive. Ah, I no longer need help growing spiritually. That's just, that's never going to happen. This is why this is so vital. We have to invite someone in who can help us grow who can see our blind spots, who can have authority in our life to challenge us, to push us, to help us grow in ways that they already have. This is super important for our growth. And when we humble ourselves and when we commit to learning from someone else, we can learn so much. For me, I I have always tried to have someone in my life like this. When I first started following Christ, this was a guy named Tyler Miller. He was two years older than me and he was in my fraternity and we would meet every Thursday morning really early. I would play FIFA on Wednesday night till like 3 or 4 a.m. He would pick me up at 6 a.m. I don't know how I did that every week, but we'd go to Panera at 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings. 
And we would just talk. We would talk about life and all the different aspects of my walk with God and steps I could take to grow. We would discuss books and books of the Bible and, and he would teach me and I would ask him questions. And it was amazing. We did this for, we did that for a few years and I learned so much and grew so much from that. Now in my life, this is a guy named Matt Pace. He's 15 years older than me and he just, he has so much wisdom about walking with God and we'll meet every few weeks and he'll teach me different things and I'll ask him questions about different things. And I've grown so much from that as well. Allowing someone to speak into your life is kind of a scary thing, but giving someone that full authority to teach you, to correct you, this will be one of the best things you can do to see tons of growth. That's the up person. The second person is the around person, okay? The around person. And the around person is, is a peer or a friend or someone that's kind of on that inner circle, okay? And these are people that they're just, they're in the same stage as you, okay? They're in the same stage of spiritual growth as you. A couple verses I think of, uh, the first would be James 5, 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So we need to be confessing to these people and we need to be praying for each other. Another verse I think of is Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So we have to encourage each other and, and stir one another up to, to love and do good things. This is part of what the around person is supposed to be. There's a saying out there that you're basically a combination of the five closest people in your life. So think of your five closest friends and you're basically kind of the average of them, whether you like it or not. And there's another saying that says, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Who your inner circle, your peers, those people you spend the most time with, who those people are, they're going to mold you into who you're going to be, whether you like it or not, and really where whether you are aware of it or not. And so you need two to four guys or girls that are in the same stage as you in your spiritual journey, growing at the same intensity as you are that you can go to, that you can share your struggles with, and you, you can, that they can hold you accountable in different ways. This is fellowship. Having these people that you can talk to about anything and share everything with and encouraging you in your faith. For me, in college, I had four guys, Blake, Zach, Joe, and Max. Blake, Zach, Blake, Zach, Joe, and Max. And these guys, they were actually all in my fraternity. And we were all in the same or similar stage in our walks with God. And it was amazing. We got to hold each other accountable when it came to reading our Bibles and other things. We got to encourage one another. We got to challenge one another. We made awesome memories together. And spending time around these guys was some of the best experiences of my life. You need some around people. So we got up. We got around, and the third and final person you need to invite in is the down person. The down person. The down person is a younger person, kind of a protege type thing, like almost someone you're kind of mentoring. And so this is someone that eventually you will start to pass along your knowledge to. Probably someone who's younger and not as far along as you that needs help growing. Eventually, we have to get to this point where we're passing on what we've learned to others. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so Paul, he's writing this letter to a younger guy he was leading named Timothy. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, you need to pass on what you have learned to faithful men who will be able to pass it on to other people. So he's looking even further than that. The funny thing is we will grow and learn the most when we're trying to help others grow. And so we need to learn to share our faith with other people 
And then we also just genuinely need to learn how to help other people grow spiritually, learning how to pass on what you've learned to others. For me, a great example of this would be a guy named Carter. When I was a senior in my fraternity, Carter was a freshman. We met, we built a strong relationship, and I began to share my faith with him, trying to share my faith with him. And eventually he accepted Christ and it was awesome. And I got to help lead him after that and invest in and help him grow. And really what this looked like, all it looked like was me passing along what I learned and what I knew to him. You can't live the Christian life alone. You certainly won't be able to experience real explosive growth trying to do it all by yourself. You need to invite these three types of people into your life, up, down, around. I want you to take a second, write down, think, discuss, who is an up person that you need to invite into your life and growth? So who's an older someone that can pour into you? Who is an up person you need to invite into your life and growth? And why them? Think, write down, discuss, why that person? Hey, one thing I would challenge you to do, commit to reaching out to this person within the day. Commit to shooting them a text or a call and saying, hey, I would love to, to think about what would it look like for you to help me grow. That's the second step to explosive growth. So first we have make the hard choice. Second, we have invite others in. And the third step to explosive growth is this, discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. A few years ago, I set out on a mission to lose some weight. And man, I was determined. I wanted to lose a little bit of weight. It was the beginning of a year. And so it was kind of like a new year, new me kind of thing. And I was ready. I was ready to do it. And so what did I do? I started writing out all these goals and all these plans. I wrote out specifically, here's what I was allowed to eat and when I was allowed to eat. Uh, This is how much I'm going to work out and when I'm going to work out and so on and so forth. And you guys can probably guess how this story ends. But uh, a couple of things that I wanted to do. First, I wanted to not eat anything past 7.30 p.m. That was one of my things. I just kind of wanted to cut out the late night sugar and just things I didn't need to be eating. No eating past 7.30 p.m. And it'd be going good for a couple weeks. And then a few weeks in, you'd walk into the kitchen and you'd open up the pantry. And what do you see? You see a big old bag of chocolate chips staring you in the face. And what do you do? You can't just leave them sitting there. So you got to go eat some of them, right? And so that discipline got thrown out out the window. Another one is exercise. I had specific times, specific days, specific things I was going to do for exercise. And that was going good for a couple weeks. And then after a few weeks, you know, the time would come. I'd be laying on the couch. Well, man, it would just be more fun to just lay here and watch ESPN probably too. And really the excuse I always use is, well, I don't want to get these clothes dirty. You know, I'm going to put on all these new clothes and in 30 minutes I'm going to be sweating. I have to do more laundry. I'm not going to do that. So exercise out the window. Uh, another thing I want to do was kind of just control the portions I was eating. I just wanted to eat less, frankly. And that was going good for a few weeks. And then I would walk into the student union at Missouri State. And I would walk up to Panda Express And I would see that fresh bowl of orange chicken just kind of looking back at me. So what do I do? Of course, I get a plate, double orange chicken, fried rice, smash the whole thing, feel like crap for the rest of the day. So in the end, did I lose the weight? Of course not. Of course I didn't. Quite possibly I weigh more now than I did then. But but why did I not lose the weight? It's because I had no discipline. I had no discipline. Growth only happens when we're consistent. 
It can only happen when we create habits and, and when we discipline ourselves to achieve goals. Because like me, we can talk about growth all we want. We can make plans for it. We can write stuff down. You can even genuinely want it. But if you don't follow through, then nothing will happen. So then the question is, how can we be sure that we follow through? And the answer is discipline. A couple of verses I think of, Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Another verse is Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> kind of a funny verse, but whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. So discipline, it's, it's a clear command and exhortation in the Bible. And so when we're talking about discipline, we're going to define it like this. Discipline defined as training yourself in self-control and developing habits. Training yourself in self-control and developing habits. So there's really four areas that we need to train ourselves in. Four areas in our walk with God that we really need to discipline ourselves in if we want to be well-rounded in our faith. Okay? The first area for discipline is the Word. Okay? The Word. We have to discipline ourselves in the Word. And this basically just pertains to the Bible. We need to discipline ourselves when it comes to spending time getting to know our Bible. The Bible is God's word and it's how he speaks to us. And so we must discipline ourselves to know our Bible. The second area is prayer. This is our way of speaking back to God. Our relationship is a two-way street. And so God, he speaks to us mostly through his word, the Bible, and we speak back to him through prayer. And so we must discipline ourselves to pray throughout the day, learning to go to him in prayer, whether it be in the morning, in the evenings, we have to discipline ourselves to pray. So we have word, prayer. The third area for discipline is fellowship. Fellowship, and this we, we've already talked about a little bit, but we have to discipline ourselves to invite others in. We have to discipline ourselves to spend time encouraging each other, challenging each other, growing together. We have to discipline ourselves to make time for fellowship. Word, prayer, fellowship. And the last area is evangelism. Okay, evangelism. And all this means is sharing your faith with other people. And so we have to first discipline ourselves to learn how to do this. And then we have to discipline ourselves to make the time for evangelism. To be well-rounded and to be balanced, these are the four areas we must focus ourselves on discipline. Word, prayer, fellowship, evangelism. And if we discipline ourselves in these four areas, we will experience growth. It's that simple, I promise. And so a really strong practical on how to discipline ourselves is this. How to discipline yourself is goal setting plus accountability. Goal setting plus accountability. So you have to set goals and have someone hold you accountable to achieving those goals. So let's say I want to be disciplined. I want to discipline myself with the Bible. So what I could do is I set a goal for reading one chapter per day in my Bible. And I'm going to have a friend ask me every Sunday night, hey, ask me, did you get your chapter every day? And that way I know they're going to ask me and it's going to help me stay accountable to achieving that goal. And so after you set a goal, ask someone you trust to hold you accountable to hit them. Goal setting plus accountability. All in all, there's really no secret sauce to discipline. Okay, discipline, it's just kind of the decision you have to make that, man, I'm just going to do this. But I would say the biggest help for discipline is having people hold you accountable to the things you want to be disciplined in. If we want to grow, we have to learn to discipline ourselves to take these steps towards growth. So take a moment to discuss, write down, think. Out of those four areas, word, prayer, fellowship, and evangelism, which one do you need to discipline yourself in? And what's a goal you can make for that area?
So out of the four areas, which one do you need to discipline yourself in and what is a goal you can make for that area? That's the third step for explosive growth is to discipline yourself. So we have make the hard choice, invite others in, discipline yourself. And the fourth step to explosive growth, quite possibly the most important step is this. Don't make growth the main goal. Don't make growth the main goal. Electricity is pretty amazing. And, and I don't know all that much about electricity. If I ever need anything done in my house that involves electricity, I will pay somebody else to do it because I'll probably hurt myself if I try to do it myself. But what I do know is that without electricity, nothing in my house can work, right? My stove, my microwave, my TV, my oven, my lights, my air conditioning, my heater, none of it can work without electricity. Imagine doing this. Imagine building a house, making the design, building it, putting all those things I just said into the house, but then having no way to get it all connected to the power. That would be pointless, right? Because the power source is key. The power source is key and something we have to understand about our faith journey and our journey of following Jesus is that he is the power source. He is the key. He's the power source. John 15, 5 says that apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. It doesn't say that uh, apart from him, we can, we can do some things. No, it says apart from him, we can do nothing. So we have to be careful that we don't get on this, this journey of growth and we make all these goals and so on and so forth, but we forget the power source. Because if we do this, in the end, we'll look back and the growth, it'll either be non-existent or it'll be fake or it'll be artificial. So like I said, John 15, 5, it says this. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So Jesus, he's saying, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I would, I would strongly encourage you, go read John 15, 1 through 8. Uh, this is a crucial piece of scripture when it comes to talking about growth. Because in these verses, John 15, 1 through 8, we see this illustration. There's four parts. So this illustration, we see God, and he's the vine dresser. And so what that means as the vine dresser is he's just the guy that tends to the vine. If there's fruit, he takes it off. He takes care of the vine. Jesus is the vine. Okay, and off the vine, the vine come the branches, which is us, and off of the branches come, comes fruit, okay? And so you have God, he's the vine dresser, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches that come off, and we produce fruit. The branches produce fruit. And when we're talking about producing fruit, all that means is growth, okay? Growing and becoming more like Christ. When we produce fruit, that's what it means. It means we're growing. God desires that we, the branches, produce fruit. He wants us to grow. He desires us to grow and become more like him. But we cannot miss the point here. God desires us to grow and produce that fruit. But nowhere in this text does he command us to produce fruit. Nowhere in this in, in the scripture does he say, well, you better grow. You better produce that fruit. It doesn't say that. Instead, what he commands of us is to abide in the vine. He commands us to abide. He tells us we need to abide in Jesus and that if we do that, if we abide, the result of that will be the growth and the fruit. Does that make sense? So, so he's saying we abide with Jesus and the result of that abiding will be that growth. So God commands us to abide. So what does that even mean? To abide means this. This is what I want you to know about abiding. 
To abide means to develop an intimate relationship with Jesus. To abide means to develop an intimate relationship with Jesus, and that is the command from God. God, he says, develop this intimate relationship with Jesus, and as you're doing that, as you're abiding, the result of that will be growth. So what does it look like to develop that relationship? What does it look like to abide in that relationship? I would say this, spend time together, trust that person, believe them, be loyal and faithful and communicate with them, them. communicate with them. Because guess what? If you don't do these things, if you don't talk, if you don't trust them, if if you don't spend time with them, that's not a relationship at all. And so this is how we abide with Christ. We spend time with him. We trust him. We talk to him. We have to remember that growth is not necessarily the main goal. The main goal is abiding. So the question, it shouldn't be, are you growing? But the question should be, are you abiding? God, he wants us to grow. He wants us to produce fruit in our lives. But even more than that, he wants us to abide with him. And when we do those things, as we abide, the result will be that growth. I hope that makes sense. It's kind of confusing because, you know, it's a bit of a paradox. On one end, we're saying, hey, make these goals, be disciplined, all these things. On the other end, saying, hey, but don't make growth the main goal, right? It's kind of contradictory in a sense, but our main focus has to be to abide with Christ, okay? We can't make growth the main goal, but abiding with Christ is the main goal, and the growth will come. Those are the four steps for explosive growth. It isn't always glorious. It isn't always fun. But after you do these steps and after you experience that growth, it will all be so worth it. So that was a lot of information. If you zoned out or anything like that, I'm going to boil it all down for you in a couple seconds. If you want to grow, but you feel like you're stuck and you don't know how, I want you to know that this can be your year, that this can be that year that you look back on. You're so thankful for. You grew the most in your faith, more than you ever have in your entire life. First, you have to evaluate, do I have a real relationship with God? And second, you have to evaluate, am I being obedient to God or am I deciding what's best for myself? If we can confidently answer yes to those questions, then we take the four steps to explosive growth. If we can confidently answer yes to these questions, then we take the four steps to explosive growth. Make the hard choice. Invite others in. Discipline yourself and don't make growth the main goal, but abiding. Make abiding the main goal. And if you do these four things this year, I promise you will grow. Again, it's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be glamorous, but I promise you'll be happy you did it. And I promise it'll kickstart you on this journey in your walk with Christ that you will never want to turn back on. For me, I will always be thankful for my year back in 2015 to 2016, where I grew so much. I'll always be thankful for it. That year set me up for success. I'm a better husband because of that year. I know, I know how to grow and be the best follower of Christ I can because of that year. I'll be a better dad someday because of that year. Make this your year, the year where you experience real explosive growth. Hey, thank you all so much for tuning in to this podcast. You can check out all the other podcasts for SMC on, on Apple and on Spotify. I hope you all do that, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks.